Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers, the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I'm your host, Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at Pine Hill Group. And if you're in business, you probably already know that being technically savvy, having a technical toolbox, is not enough to be successful in business. One of the key components for a successful leader, or anyone in business for that matter, is the ability to communicate clearly and effectively. So I'm super excited to introduce my guest today, who is Dr. Laura Sokola, who is an author, a speaker, a leadership coach, and also the founder of Vocal Impact Productions. Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Oh, it's my pleasure. I know folks are going to get a lot out of your conversation here today. Let's just start, if you would, real quick, a little bit about who you are so our audience knows about yourself. My work is in leadership communication and executive presence. As you mentioned, there are so many people who are brilliant technicians. They know all their content, all the material to be the brains behind the operation. But you have to do more than that. You have to be the face and the voice in front of it and be able to get the buy-in that you need to turn your vision into reality. And that's where I come in. Great, and we're gonna talk a lot about the different ways that communication matters, different types of communications that occur in everyday life and in business for that matter. But let's go from the very top. Um, in the terms of the list of most common fears that people have, it's snakes, it's spiders, heights, public speaking, uh, why are people afraid of public speaking? It is funny that that's right at the top of the list, isn't it? Um, What's interesting to me is that it's not technically the fear of public speaking. It's the fear of public scrutiny or public judgment. We're suddenly afraid that everybody's going to be evaluating us. And if we make a mistake or if we say something, if we flub along the way, what will people think of us as a result? That fear of not appearing perfect. That's what people really have deep down. So we have to work around that fear to get you to be good and comfort, uh, comfortable and confident in public speaking. Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about what public speaking is, right? Sure. So it could be as simple as making a toast at a wedding. Uh, sometimes you're speaking to just convey information. Sometimes you're trying to actually create influence. Yes. Talk about the different types of forums, if you will, for public speaking. Sure, and to your last example, I would argue that regardless of, of your audience, whether it is a toast at a wedding, a formal presentation in business, or just a conversation like this, you always want to have influence, regardless of how, how uh, big or small the issue, you want to know that you're heard and that your message gets through. That's the influence that you want to have. So uh, most people tend to think about public speaking just in those really big contexts. But even in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, anytime you're frankly having a talking to someone beyond yourself, that's public speaking. So what's something that a leader can do to prepare when they've got to be in front of a board of directors or uh, even in, the, in terms of a business pitch, a prospective client? Uh, I have a rule that I like to call the 60 to 60 rule. In public speaking, a lot of people tend to feel like, well, the first couple minutes I'm nervous and I fumble my way in a little bit, but then eventually I get in my groove, I'm not nervous anymore and things go smoothly. But you can't afford that bumpy intro because in the 60 to 60 rule, the idea is that in the first 60 seconds of you talking, you're going to set the audience's expectation for the value you're going to bring to the next 60 minutes. So if that first 60 seconds is that fumbly on-ramp, then they already are doubting the value that you're, you're clouding their judgment, so to speak. So what we want to make sure is that you've had a chance to rehearse and prepare that first 60 seconds, that first intro, so that you're really smooth right from the get-go. You feel confident, you know it went great, your confidence, it will help you to be more relaxed 
and then you know that the rest of the presentation is going to go really smoothly. Yeah, so the first impression really is the lasting impression. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that type of create, creating that type of impression in two different scenarios? So one sure. being where maybe you're just trying to convey information and another where you're actually trying to do influence, where you're trying to maybe pitch a prospective client, if you will. About those 60 seconds yeah. in each one? How would they differ in, in those two examples, maybe? The 60 seconds are still equally important in both contexts. What's, what matters is that in your preparation, you think to yourself, if I were in their shoes, what would I want to see and hear? What kind of person would I find relatable? Um, what kind of qualities would I need to, to, in, to read into that person, to perceive in them, in order to feel like that's the kind of person I can buy into, that I believe what they're saying. So if you are trying to, um, to persuade someone to vote for you or to, to yeah. purchase your item, you need to come across as trustworthy, you need to come across as relatable, you need to come across as understanding. Uh, so what does that sound like and look like? As opposed to if you're trying to rally a whole group, you need to be more passionate, more uh, high energy, a little bit more commanding, so to speak, and what would that look or sound like? Be the person, project the qualities that you would want to see if you were in that role. I don't mean act, just let that part of you shine through a little bit more brightly. Yeah, and you, you alluded to this, but I want to maybe go just a little bit deeper. It's not so much the words that you choose, but more so the way in which you convey them. Is that fair? Uh, it is, I'm going to qualify that. Okay. Of course the words have to matter, right, because if they're inaccurate or if they're sloppy or otherwise uh, undiplomatic, they'll undermine you right off the bat. Right. Um, I, I can tell you you're a, a lousy person, but I can say it as nicely as I want. I still <laughs> said you're a lousy person, it's not enough. going to help. That being said, to your point, the best script, if you will, the best words on paper, if they're not delivered the right way, will fall flat. I mean, think about the difference between sincerity and sarcasm. I could say, right. nice tie, or nice tie. The words don't change. On paper, they look identical, but you hear a totally different message based on how they come across. So lots of people may think that they sound energetic and they sound enthusiastic, and then you watch or listen to yourself on, on a recording and you realize, wow, that came across really flat. Or I thought I sounded really composed and really uh, poised, and then you listen and you realize you talked a mile a minute and you sounded frantic and, and disorganized. So you have to be able to, to be clear on how you actually sound. That delivery is going yeah. to make or break the image. Yeah, and maybe that's a good segue just to introduce your TED Talk, <laughs> which has more than 5.4 million views. Yeah. How'd that come about and what's it done for you personally and professionally? That was a, it came about through a great a little accident where I was teaching graduate school at the University of Pennsylvania and the curator for the, uh, that year's TEDx Penn conference happened to be one of my students. And the theme of the conference was called Creating Sound. And she knew that I do work in, in leadership voice. And she said, you know, could you come and do a talk about leadership voice, sound, et cetera? And I thought, sure, why not? And little did I know that it would turn into this really great uh, phenomenon. But uh, as far as a uh, popularity in, t in the TED Talk world, so yeah. to speak, but um, the, the title of the talk is, Want to Sound Like a Leader? Start by Saying Your Name Right. And it's just all about that first impression, the way you introduce yourself and how it sounds. Is it memorable? Does it, and what image does it create for you in the way that you do it? And that's going to 
be the springboard to the rest of the relationships that you have. Right. So it, it's all the little details matter. So much nuance to everything that we do and say and how we're perceived. Yes. Yeah, no question about that. In the TED Talk, you talk a little bit about something called upspeak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to just touch on that very, very briefly? Cause very briefly, because if we all know a lot of people long, who do it, yeah. Right, and if I do it too long, people will turn off the television anyway, right. right? But upspeak is that pattern that a lot of people have where it sounds like they're asking questions, even if they're not, with that rising tone. And while women have the reputation for it, especially that young millennial, uh, it sort of harkens back to the 80s valley girl impression. The fact is men do it just as much as women do and it yeah. has just as bad of an effect. The difference is that men's voices don't usually go as high when they rise, so it just sounds more like monotony. And you want to say Bueller, Bueller. Right. Well said. <laughs> right. But, and that's where it comes from. It's just a little bit of a rise, but it still isn't making a point. You need to inflect your voice in ways that are going to draw the audience's attention to the most important words, and then that will help them to keep up with what your message is and to really understand what you mean by what you say, not just what your words are. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. We talk about the term executive presence. Yeah. What does that mean in terms of communicating? In executive presence in general is almost the X factor. What allows someone to be seen as a leader? Because leadership really is an image in the end, regardless of whether you are a CEO or a, an intern in the mailroom. So what is it about the way that you communicate, among other things, that allows people to see that in you, either as a reality or as a potential? And things like avoiding upspeak and being able to put vocal periods at the end, which sounds declarative, sounds confident, like you own what you're saying. That allows people to feel confident in you because it sounds like you are confident in yourself and in what you're saying. Yeah. So the, the way that you navigate different conversations is very much going to influence your ability to project that executive presence. So in, in your business, are you working exclusively with executive level folks? Primarily, but I also do work with uh, attorneys. I do work with uh, doctors and medical professionals. I do a lot of work with uh, business startups, people who have brilliant products, services, and, and business plans and ideas, but need venture capital or need to convince other people to, to invest and get on board with those ideas. So anybody who needs to be persuasive, who needs to be influential, who realizes maybe that you aspire to the top level of, of your company or organization, but something's missing and you constantly feel like you're not able to convince everybody else that you are the next logical choice. What is it about it? It's usually in your communication skills. It's not about your technical expertise. People know that you have that. Right. Yep, exactly. So I don't know if our camera can get a shot of this. So this is Laura's current book, Maximize Your Leadership Influence. And you've got a new one coming out in the spring, is that right? I do, yes. So tell us about that, would so, you? Sure. So the next book is called Speaking to Influence. And it takes this, uh, the premises that are introduced in Maximize Your Leadership Influence and just expands them with a lot more exercises, a lot more anecdotes and examples to really show how these principles come to life and where they're going to make a difference in yours. And when's it going to be available? That'll be coming out in uh, April, mid-April this okay. of 2019. Are there pre-orders happening at the moment? Not quite yet. So stay tuned. D definitely double check on the website. And for now, start with Maximize Your Leadership Influence. Very good. Good segue. So you mentioned your website. Sure. Folks who are watching probably would want to contact you to learn more. Uh, Great. How can people get in touch with you? Just go to my website at www.vocalimpactproductions.com. Very good. Uh, 
storytelling is something yeah. that we hear an awful lot about as a great way to create influence. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of storytelling and, and how does someone frame you know, business storytelling, if you will? It all depends on, on what your content is, but for example, in something like sales, I can sit here and give you all of the, the specs of the product that I'm selling. And that's interesting, and you can tell me the, the uses of each spec, but in the end, if you can give me a scenario of a consumer or a, uh, some other client who has used this and what their challenges were, what their, uh, what their struggles were, and then how they overcame them using your product service system or otherwise, then people can see themselves in that character. People understand they relate to the challenge, and then they're inspired by the resolution. And they think, well, if that guy's where I, if he was where I am now, and through using that product, he got to this outcome, and I want that outcome, yeah. then I want to follow in his path. That makes it inspiring and relatable, as opposed to just numbers on a page. Inspiring and relatable. Those are good, good characteristics. For the technical folks who are watching in the audience, I, I hope they're, they're really understanding that to differentiate themselves from their competition, these are the kinds of things that really matter. It is. Uh, have you worked with, well, you mentioned attorneys, have you worked with any, any folks in the, the finance, the accounting profession? Oh, primarily, Highly frankly. Um, engineering, things like that? Oh, yes. So, so it's all about the message, if you have something that you need to convey, like you said, to create influence. Sure, whether you're in IT, in pharmaceutical research, you're in um, uh, finance and, and risk analysis, whatever the numbers people are, if anything, that's primarily who I work with because you've gotten to the level of success where you are because of your numerical skills, yeah. so to speak. And now there's this plateau where if you want to surpass that and get viewed not just as the technical expert, but as a leader of people who are not just in your silo, in your vertical, you have to be able to communicate with others and help them to understand what you understand. Uh, in a way that's going to get through and not make their eyes glaze over, not make them feel stupid, not uh, just be able to really connect. It is going to be those communication skills. They're not soft skills, I don't like that term. They're essential yeah. skills that are gonna make or break that ultimate jump to the top. That's a good distinction. They're not soft skills, they are essential yes. and it, it's a requirement for every leader's toolbox. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have to take a, a quick commercial break here. So we're gonna pause for just a quick minute. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dr. Laura Sicola on Behind the Numbers. So when I need a snack, I need something healthy, tasty, and easy to eat. Like wonderful pistachios without the shells. They're protein-powered, delicious, and great on the go. And that's perfect for me. Thanks, Liz. A woman without a lot of time. Whether you're a gourmet cook or just want to eat like one, visit Rostelli Market Fresh, your home for the freshest locally sourced ingredients to please everyone who loves great food. Our organic meats, quality seafood, and free-range poultry are cut fresh to order. Chefs create culinary-inspired prep foods made fresh every day, which pair nicely with our vast selection of fine wines and spirits. Choose from handmade pastas, artisan cheeses, organic produce, and grocery items, all from the finest purveyors. Rostelli Market Fresh, from our family to yours. RVN-TV is a platform for people of any industry to share their story. Over 285,000 viewers are tuning in to RVN-TV shows monthly. 
we guarantee a great experience that you'll be sharing with everyone you know while increasing your personal and company's brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Did you know that aside from being a guest, we offer even more opportunity to boost your brand? Adding your company logo and website on screen during your interview will allow viewers to recognize your brand instantly. Incorporating images and video clips is another great way to showcase your product during your live segment. Let viewers see how good you really are. And most importantly, there's you and your interview. For less than the cost of a newspaper, direct mail, or a magazine ad, you can leave our studio and within 48 hours have a permanent digital copy of your live segment to link to your social media, embed into your company website, or use in email marketing. Investing in your brand is so very important, and we can't wait to have you as a guest. Shelter dogs aren't broken. They've simply experienced more life. If they were human, we would call them wise. They would be the ones with tales to tell and stories to write. The ones dealt a bad hand who responded with courage. Do not pity a shelter dog. Adopt one. Say we've got grit and we'll take it as a compliment because it's our uncommon drive our spark within that brings us together and sets us apart. We are temple made. And when others take shortcuts, when others take breaks, when others take the easy way, we take charge. I work 13 hours a day, six days a week. So when I'm off the clock, I gotta get stuff done. So when I need a snack, I need something healthy, tasty, and easy to eat. Like wonderful pistachios without the shells. They're protein-powered, delicious, and great on the go. And that's perfect for me. Thanks, Liz. A woman without a lot of time. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, Senior Director at Pine Hill Group. And today we're talking about business communication with my guest, Laura Sokola. And before the break, we mentioned Laura's book, Maximize Your Leadership Influence. Where can people get a hold of that, Laura, right now? Amazon, very easily. Just go to Amazon and type in either my name, Laura Sokola, or Maximize Your Leadership Influence. Sounds good. We're at the spot in the program now where we do something called the bottom line, where if the viewers are only watching basically a minute or so of the program, or they're just joining us, what are the key takeaways that you might want to share with them? Uh, when in doubt, follow that 60 to 60 rule that I mentioned earlier, which is that if you don't have time to rehearse a whole presentation or uh, a meeting you need to lead, rehearse the first 60 seconds, because in the 60 to 60 rule, the first 60 seconds of your speech are going to set the audience's expectation for the value that you're going to create for the next 60 minutes of the interaction. So you can't afford to fumble your way in and then eventually get into your groove. Make sure that intro is smooth right from the beginning. Great advice. And just to be clear, when you're working with your clients, whether it's a general, I want to get better at this, or whether it's a specific, I'm doing a talk in three months yep. in front of a group, um, you'll work with them. Absolutely. Closely, specifically about what their particular needs and objectives are. 
yes, there are those who come to me specifically because they have a, uh, a speaking engagement, they're going to give a conference talk, or they're going to uh, give a TED talk, for example, or just need to do a board presentation. And so they want me to help them to really nail that particular experience. And there are those who are coming to me more for a long-term objective, or they just know in order to get promoted to the C-level, or in order to uh, lands larger clients on the whole. They need to be able to project greater confidence and authority, more executive presence, that command yeah. presence. Uh, so long-term and short-term. Perfect, yeah, because a lot of careers are made or, or broken basically on the ability or lack thereof to communicate. Yes. Um, kind of a segue into that same topic is interviewing skills, right? Yes. So for the folks who are in transition sure. and they're going through an interview process, maybe there's some head trash that they're trying to overcome in their communication. What advice would you offer to those folks? Uh, you brought up earlier storytelling, so being able not just to give your resume in verbal bullet forms, but to be able to tell some stories and own those experiences that you've had. Show where you love what you do or where you're excited about what you're going to do, what you're, what you're interviewing to do. But know that who's, whoever is interviewing you wants to know who you are, not just what your, the numbers on the page say, because they want to know that they have a connection with you. Coming across as relatable, coming across as confident, coming across as prepared, all of those elements are just as important as having good numbers on your resume. Yeah, so how does somebody really understand that the person that you're talking to gets it, that, that what your message is, you're, you're rehearsed, you're, you've got it, you feel like you nailed it, how do you know for sure that it really resonated, that they heard you and it had the impact that it, you intended? Uh, there's lots of ways, uh, both in the process and in the, the end result of your conversation. Number one, uh, they'll say yes, which is always nice if they sign on the dotted line or they agree and you move on to the next step. That's, of course, the end result. Uh, in the process, on the way to that point, you watch their body language. So if, are they leaning in a little bit more? Or do they nod their head? Do, is there an occasional head tip to the side that mm -hmm. shows like I'm, I'm thinking about this or That's, you're, you're making my wheels turn uh, as opposed to uh, just looking at their smartphone and, and quote unquote multitasking, which means yeah. not paying attention to you. Uh, and there's also verbal little responses like what we call back channeling, which is what you just said, like, yeah, mm-hmm, okay. All those little bits and pieces are, are indicators that say, I'm with you, I'm paying attention. Yes, I hear what you're saying. So as long as you are maintaining their attention and they're working with you and not just blindly nodding like, oh my gosh, will you please stop talking because I've totally checked out. I'm just going to be a bobblehead for a while and wait for the sound to stop. Uh, that would be an indicator that you're not getting through to them and you need to stop and redirect. So uh, any of those cues are, are good indicators that you're having the influence, having the impact that you want. And that will inspire more confidence, which allows someone to communicate even more effectively now that they know they've gotten it. Right. Good stuff. But let's move into another area where communication really matters. Sure. Conflict. Mm. How do people deal with those tough situations when you've got delicate subjects potentially, uh, a lot at stake, could be in the business world, could be at home. Sure. Uh, what's, what's your advice in, in dealing with conflict resolution? Conflict is one of those issues where people tend to go to one extreme or the other. Either they run headlong from it and sort of hope it'll it'll fix itself and that they won't have to get involved because it's messy, they don't want to ruffle feathers, etc. Or they're conflict magnets and conflict just seems to always find them. They're embroiled in an argument with somebody somewhere. So one of the big challenges is understanding your own orientation to conflict. On that scale that I just mentioned, do you tend to run headlong from it or does it always find you? How comfortable are you with different stages of conflict uh, or of, of sensitive conversations? Do you like debate? 
or not? What do you consider an argument versus just a conversation? Recognizing your orientation to it and then thinking about the other person and their comfort level in having these kinds of discussions. When you realize the, the gap between your relative, your respective comfort levels with tough discussions, then that can help you to back out a little bit and take the right approach. Either not fear so much because you know they're more comfortable with those conversations, they can take it, or realize maybe you need to take a slightly softer approach to it. I don't mean pussyfoot, but just be a bit more diplomatic when you have a conversation with them so that they know that you're not going to attack before you even begin. So starting with that orientation is critical and recognizing that pussyfooting is not what it's all about, but um, using some other strategies just to make sure that they hear your intention. So one of those strategies I think a lot of people are taught is that if you've got to have a tough conversation, start with some good news first. Uh, lead with a compliment before you have to get into the, the meat of the real conversation. Is that good advice? Sure. It, it doesn't hurt as long as it's not just trying to butter somebody up. You know, you don't want to start with a nice tie. By the way, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really help a whole lot in that context. But um, there's what I like to call a, a contrasting statement is a useful tool and it's where you, you can not only begin with something positive like letting them know that they've been doing a good job or that you're pleased with how something has come along um, but as you are getting ready to segue into the other issue you want to discuss you'll mention a two parts not x but y so um, in looking at the the sales numbers from last quarter for example it's um, I want to take a look at it because I think we I'm not saying that we haven't achieved the goals because we did get to where we wanted to go, but I think we can do better next time. So let's see where we go. That not X, I'm not criticizing you. I'm not saying you didn't do well. Uh, don't miss, the idea is don't misunderstand me. I don't want you to suddenly just look at the negative and think there is no positive. Think about it when you, when you get something back that has a couple of corrections on it, you don't look to see what the good comments are. Go back to your school days, right? You get your report back from your English teacher. There's three, you got uh, 94 on your test. You wanna see where the six points you lost came from. You don't look at, oh, I got 96% right. So it's about not having people focus on the negative. So by uh, letting them know what not to look for. Don't misinterpret this. I'm not saying that you're, you're preventing them going down that negative rabbit hole and helping them to, to frame accurately where the constructive part is coming from. That's great advice, it really is. And a lot of folks tend to want to hear the bad news first, sure. uh, to your point about looking at those, those grades. Right. Um, shifting gears to more of a behind the numbers kind of a concept, and sure. in terms of nonprofit organizations. Yeah. Uh, so communication is really critical there in terms of communicating their mission, maybe it's yes. fundraising. Talk a little bit about that. Fundraising is critical. I just spoke, uh, did the keynote for the Planned Giving Conference here in Philadelphia last month, and the, where a lot of fundraisers get stuck, at, especially if they're not quite as comfortable in their role, is feeling like, well, if I'm going to pick up the phone and make that phone call, who am I bothering? Is it a burden for them? Do they, are they not going to want to hear from me? There's a discomfort. And what you have to remember is that you're doing this because you are passionate about this particular uh, endeavor about whatever the organization is, the, the mission of the organization, and you need to share that passion with others. You, you brought up storytelling earlier, helping people, whoever's on the other line, to hear something relatable, to hear what's in it for me, how do I feel good about myself if I'm able to, uh, if I can contribute to this organization, if I can support their mission, how does that influence my life as the donor? That people need to see themselves 
in that scenario. And if you can help them with that and project the, the as this, the fundraiser, the ability to project onto that person that you could have this difference in someone else's life. Wouldn't that feel great? And that you truly believe that as you're talking to them about it. Yeah. That's where you're gonna make the connection. You have to project that they are going to be part of the change and that that was where their inspiration should come from. Gotcha. One more time, tell our audience how sure. they can contact you. Uh, the website is Vocal Impact Productions, www.vocalimpactproductions.com. So in your behind the, or, uh, the bottom line tip, you talk about the, the 60 seconds, start yeah. strong. Um, that feels like it's a recurring theme that you probably see in a lot of folks. They're not understanding how important that is. Yes. Are there other themes that you see generally across the board as you're working with your clients? that maybe the audience should be aware of to think about? Sure, lots of themes. Uh, you mentioned Upspeak or Uptalk a moment yeah. ago. And part of that comes from run-on sentences because maybe you know that if you don't talk quickly, you're gonna run out of time to say everything you want or maybe you'll get cut off. So people tend to just data dump onto their audience and they try to list out all the points they wanna say and it's almost like reading an email that's about this long and only has one period at the very end. You're reading going, oh my gosh, where is this person going with it? And that's how you sound when you're talking if you don't hear a vocal period. Finish a sentence, put a period, start a new one. Put a pause in between. I need to hear that space bar, so to speak. Yeah. And when you do that, it allows people to hear confidence, poise, control, all of those things that are going to be influential and help me to sway my vote, so to speak. Yeah, you um, had the opportunity to speak at an event and I saw you speak. Uh, you talked a little bit about um, telephone conversations mm. and the audience didn't appreciate until you went through the exercise that the vocal impact really makes a difference on the phone and um, you had everybody stand up as opposed to sitting down. You had people smiling versus not smiling. Talk a little bit about what it's like to communicate effectively telephonically. Most people make the huge mistake of assuming that just because I can't see your face, that I don't know what you look like, that I don't know what facial expressions you're making. And the fact is, even if I close my eyes, I can hear what your face looks like. I can hear if you're smiling or frowning. I can hear if your eyebrows are down and sort of scrunched and thinking seriously or unhappy versus if they're up. All of these little facial muscle shifts, even your posture, sitting or standing, have an influence, a direct physical influence on your voice and on the way it sounds coming out. So if you want people to buy in to your message, you want them to understand what you feel about what you're saying, not just to hear the words that are coming out, then you really have to animate your words as you're speaking as if you were looking at them face to face. Put a mirror in front of the telephone and just watch yourself just to be sure that you're not sitting there like this the entire time and you know making your point and trying to get through everything because this is what you're going to sound like <laughs> when you do that. Again, you just like all the energy gets sucked out. You don't have to be bouncing off the walls, but do you care about what you're saying? Is it important that people really sign on at the end and say yes, get to the next meeting, agree to the the, the contract or whatever it is? If so, you have to make sure that your physical uh, communication skills are going to have a positive influence on your voice because that's all they have to go on on the telephone. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground today, thank you. And I know our audience benefited greatly from the advice that you had to share. I hope that they'll get in touch with you to learn more and, and work with you and uh, continue their journey in becoming better communicators. So thank unfortunately, you. we are out of time. Okay. So that's all we have for now. My guest today has been Dr. Laura Sacola. 
And we will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care. Thank you. Whether you're a gourmet cook or just want to eat like one, visit Rostelli Market Fresh, your home for the fresh